My name is Mark Madison, and I am so very proud to have Fujitsu General America as a sponsor. At Fujitsu, they're focused on partnering with the best distributors and contractors to ensure that each Fujitsu heating and cooling system brings infinite comfort to every end user. Today's guest is Mr. Kelly Scholes, alcoholic, miscreant, party animal. He's now a community leader, athlete, philanthropist, and multimillionaire. In Never by the Book, Kelly Scholes tells us exactly how he did it and how you can do it too. He shares his 10 invaluable secrets to success. Well, good morning. This is Mark Madison on Books and People, and we are privileged to have Mr. Kelly Scholes from Mount Vernon, Washington. Kelly, how are you? Good, Mark. How are you? Thank you for having me. <laughs> My pleasure. So I was trying to remember how we met. Was it not a referral? Yes, it was. It was a referral from, oh, you would ask me that, <laughs> um, from Australia. Yeah, Alan Ferguson. Alan Ferguson, yes. Of all, you know, somebody from Australia tells me I need to meet somebody that lives in my backyard. Yes, I'm an hour away. And he said, there's a guy that you need to meet. And I'm like, okay, who is Yes. He? And then do you remember when we met? Uh, you know, I'm getting older. It's a little foggy. <laughs> a little fo well, it's foggy when you're up that high, Mark. If you get down low where I'm at, it's not as foggy. Yeah. Five nineteen and a half. What am I going to do? Yeah. So we were at Service, round, at Service Roundtable Conference in Vegas. That's right. And they had round tables, and we were sitting at the table, and they had some exercise they wanted us to do at the table and kind of introduce ourselves. And you were sitting right next to me, and you told me, you said, hey, I'm Mark Madison, and I'm an author and, and coach and speaker. And, and I looked over at you, and I said, I'm supposed to meet you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We get a referral, and then abracadabra are in the same room in Arizona. Same, same room, same table, right next to each other. That's so crazy. It's funny how the world works, isn't it? It's absolutely crazy, yes. Well, before we get into your book, uh, tell us how you got started in the plumbing and HVAC business. I got started in the plumbing and HVAC business when I was 16 years old. I was working on a dairy farm, and I didn't quite work, like working on dairy farms. And uh, I was dating a girl, and her dad owned a plumbing company. And I'd go up to her house and I ended up helping him do stuff around the house. And one day he asked me if I wanted to go to work for him. So 16 years old, I'm like, sure, why not? So that's how I got started. And based on your book, you were a bit of a rounder. A little bit, yeah. I, 16 years old, I had life all figured out. Just ask me, I would have told you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you got yourself in a few scrapes. Just, just one or two, yeah. I, I've been through a, a little bit. I've been through some trouble. I've, I've had some heartache. Um, but I've come out on the other side of it all with, with a bright perspective. Well, you come out with a lot more than that, my friend. You're being humble. But so <laughs> we, we, uh, we met. We did some work together. I came up to Mount Vernon a few times and worked with your company doing seminars and coaching. And, and, uh, and I think we were having lunch one day and I said, you know, have you ever thought about writing a book? 
Yeah. Tell us, tell us what happened next. You did. You were probably one of the first ones. Well, you and, and some other people. So as you know, my wife passed away in 2012. Yes. And after she passed away, some friends and I did a fundraiser. And it was a fundraiser to name the local cardiac rehabilitation center after my late wife. And as we were getting ready to do the fundraiser, I was going around to different service clubs and talking about my story. And that was about the time I met you. And as I was going around talking to the service clubs, people would ask if I had a book. Well, when you said that, how come, you know, how come you haven't written a book or why don't you write a book? It really right. me then. And that's when I really started thinking about, you know, maybe I do need to do this. Well, you have such a great story. And honestly, I'm a bit of a provocateur. I like to poke people in the eye with a sharp stick. <laughs> I, I did it to Ron Smith. I did it to you. I do it to anybody that I think has a great story. And you just have a great story. And I, I'd just like to read the, the, a portion of the forward I wrote for your book, if I may. Sure. When I agreed to read Kelly's book, I thought I knew a great deal about the man. But how well do you really know someone? Yes, he's a successful businessman, a loving father, a widower, an athlete, and a genuinely good guy. Despite his success, I thought him to be humble, authentic, sincere, and affable. Over coffee in Mount Vernon, Washington, we talked about what it takes to get a book published out to the world. I'd written five of my own, so I had a few ideas to share. He handed me the manuscript, and I promised to read it over the weekend and offer some advice. I began reading it the next morning at 5.30. I couldn't put it down. His story is riveting. Kelly's been to hell and back only to come out with longer legs for bigger strides. If his story doesn't instruct and inspire you, you better check your pulse. Read this book, give it to your friends and employees. They'll thank you. Now I know the man. I even have a deeper and abiding respect for him now than I ever have in a way I simply couldn't before reading his story. Thanks, Kelly, for bearing your soul and telling your extraordinary story of surviving adversity and making a difference in people's lives. We're all better for it. And you know what? I meant every word because I literally couldn't put the book down. I think I read it in like two hours. And then, <laughs> and then I made some changes, added a few chapter titles, and I called yeah. you and I said, hey. <laughs> and then what happened next? Then I sent it to Jason Liller, and we, we got rocking and rolling and got it, got it published. Dude, I'm so proud of you because it's such a great story. Thank you. It really is. Now, you're speaking now, and so how does the book and your story publicly uh, connect? In multiple ways. Um, let me go back to, you know, you, you prompted me to write the book. It, it took me about four years before I actually sat down and wrote the book. Um, but once I did, it only took me a month and a half to actually write it. Right. Um, now what, what, walk us through the process. So did you carve out, did you say I'm going to write three pages a day or for an hour? What was no, your discipline? No, what happened was, you know, when you, when you started prompting me to write it and people in the community started asking me about it, I knew how I wanted to start the book. I went and interviewed my mom because the book starts, as you know, before I was even born. Right. So I interviewed my mom and, and asked her a bunch of questions and stuff. And that was four years before I even sat down and wrote it. And then when I was coaching a client in San Clemente, California is when I actually had the aha moment and sat down and started writing it. And when I did, 
it just all came together. Yeah. And when it came together, I just, uh, and a lot of the book was actually wrote on an airplane. And at the time I was leasing a place in Scottsdale, Arizona and doing coaching and, and mentoring and training down there. So whenever I just had a moment, I would just sit and write. You know, I was on the airplane, right? I wrote, a, believe it or not, I wrote a lot of it on the airplane. People would look at me because I'd have tears coming down my face. Right. Hey, man, I cried. It's a, yeah. it's a great story. People are I, looking at me like, what's this guy doing? He's sitting here bawling, right? And stuff, you know. I think what I said to you is this is a movie, man. Yeah. Your life is a movie. So... Yeah, the the thing that really got me, so like I said, it, it took four years before I even started. And, and to me, it was a pipe dream. I mean, yeah, you were pushing me to write it and a couple other people, but you know, I, I've never written a book before in my life. So it's like, you know, how do you do it and all that? But in San Clemente, when, so what happened down there is, as you know, I went, I was coaching a client down there and I was facilitating planet strategy meeting for him. And I asked him to do it off site. So I showed up at his place. We left his place early in the morning of January 24th and we're heading up the Pacific Coast Highway. And we turn and start going up Laguna Canyon. And I get this sensation that comes over me that, that is very, very hard to explain. And it's very emotional. And we pull into the place where we're gonna do the planning strategy meeting and I get out and I'm kind of standing there and I'm just kind of, it dazed and he comes up to me and goes what's wrong i go i don't know he goes what do you mean i go i left this canyon 29 years ago i was dead broke and an alcoholic and i said i'd never come back here mm. and here i am back here coaching you 29 years and one week later to mm. the on what i've learned in those 29 years it was a week later when I sat down and I started writing the book. That it, was the impetus, that moment. Yeah, it was that, that moment, just everything came together. I call those crossroads. You know, you came to a crossroad and I know, I know that road I've been on it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I know exactly what it looks like. It's beautiful. It's serene, but th this was this, this crossroad moment for you. And so the book came pouring out. You did it on airplanes in stolen moments. Yeah. Yep. And then when you were done with it, then what? Then uh, I talked to you, of course, or met with you, had, had coffee with you. You gave me a lot of good input. Um, and also you gave me uh, a publisher's name, uh, Jason Liller, which I got in contact with him and we started working on the publishing process and through your edits and your help and through Jason's help. And then also my, my daughters were very involved in it as well. Now, how old are they? They're 22 and 25. And so they're done with college, living on their own. Done with college, living on their own. And actually when you, when you see the book, my youngest daughter actually designed the cover of the book. I have it in my hand featuring the 10 renegade laws of success. Tell us about that. Well, I was pretty much a renegade when I was younger. So that just kind of came to, um, and it's, it's the 10 rules that I kind of lived my life by once, once I did sober up and cleaned up my act when I was 24 years old, 
um, those rules really, and still to this day, you know, number one, work hard. You know, if you work hard, you'll, you'll get what you want out of life. You know, I've had people tell me I'm lucky. Well, no, I've learned that the harder I work, the luckier I get. Right. Uh, setting goals. Um, years and years ago, I, I used to listen to a lot of Brian Tracy. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, first personal development work I ever did was the Universal Laws of Success and Achievement from Brian Tracy. Yeah, I know it well. And put that in my cassette in my truck and listen to it over and over and over. And now, now you're showing your age there, cassette. <laughs> the cassette, yeah. For the younger generation, <laughs> those are the things that, you know, they're little white things you put in your... <laughs> yeah. And, and you tighten it up with a pencil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, seize opportunities. You know, I had opportunities that people people gave me and helped me with. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that get opportunities and they don't seize them. And that goes back to working hard and setting goals. Right. If you work hard, you set goals. When those opportunities come, then you can seize them. It's knowing that there are opportunities. Yeah, exactly. Um, being adaptable to change. And I'll tell you right now, I think a lot of people can really look at that one. Right. You know, they say a zebra never changes its stripes. I totally disagree with that. If you look yourself in the mirror, realize your faults and work on your faults, you can, you can change. Well, you're living proof of that. Total living proof of that, yes. And right now, with the trying times of what's going on in, in our world right now, I think people need to look in the mirror. Yeah. They need to look in the mirror and, and focus on themselves, focus on what they can control, because they can't control anything besides their own emotions and actions anyway. And you're really saying, you know, be honest with yourself, take 100% yeah. responsibility and say, this is what I need to stop doing, which you did. And yeah. this is what I need to start doing, which you also did. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next one is watch your money. Um, you know, I've been very fortunate when it comes to money and, and knowing and ha had some really good people help me along the way and guide me and teach me about money and finance. And, you know, there's two types of people in the world. There's people that earn more to spend more and there's people that save more than they earn. And if you think you're going to earn more to spend more, you're never going to earn enough. Right. So if you learn how to watch your money and take care of it, uh, you know, I talk a lot about wants and needs. And if you focus on your needs now, you can have what you want later in life. But it's delayed gratification, isn't it? It is. It's delayed gratification. And, and that's what you got to think about. You know, do you need this right now or do you want it? Mm. What a great question. Mm-hmm. So, What's number six? Learn all that you can. You know, I, I barely graduated high school. I, I actually, that's when I learned my first negotiations. I had to negotiate my way out of high school. <laughs> With the judge. <laughs> no, that, that, was another, that was another thing. That was a negotiation too. That was a negotiation too, yeah. That was to keep me out of jail. Right. Um, and, but, in, and into the plumber pit. And into the plumber pit. But I was not a prize student. But once I got into the real world and got into the real learning, I am a prize student. I'm always learning something new. 
always trying to improve myself. Again, it goes back to being adaptable to change and looking in the mirror. I can vouch for you on that. I've given you a few books and you devoured them and said, well, what else you got? Yeah. So always being willing, willing to learn more than you, more than you know. What did John Wooden say? It's what you learn after you know everything that counts. Yeah. 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 And number seven. Next one's believe in yourself. Mm. You know, and, and that can be a tough one for a lot of people. I had a lot of challenges with that. Right. You know, when I was in Southern California, when I was living in Southern California from the time I was 20 to 24 years old, all I was doing is drinking and partying. I didn't believe in myself. Right. Um, thank God my ex, my ex uh, boss did believe in me and got me to come back to Washington. Um, and that's when I cleaned myself up, sobered up and became a partner in the business and ended up buying him out. He believed in you until you started believing in yourself. Exactly. And well, I started believing in myself was looking in the mirror. And, you know, I tell contractors, you can borrow money. You can't borrow self-esteem. Mm -hmm. If you don't believe you're worth it, then you're not. Yeah. And that's what I hear you say. Yeah. And it takes, it takes work. Yeah. And people are afraid to put in that work. Well, being honest with yourself and looking in the mirror, that's, um, that's tough. A lot of people don't, you know, denial's not a river in Egypt, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, and I learned years and years ago when I, when I quit drinking, the first road to any change or any recovery is admitting you got a problem. Right. Or fault, you know, right. and nobody's perfect. It's drawing that line in the sand, isn't it? Drawing that line in the sand and saying, you know, you know, I've learned that, you know, if you don't know what you want, figure out what you don't want. Right. And I then, know I don't want this. Yeah. <laughs> And when, once you figure out what you don't want, it's easy to get away from that. And that'll help you focus on what you do want. Yeah, so true. Yeah. What's number eight? Number eight, get out of your comfort zone. Mm. And, you know, that's business, personal, finance. I mean, there's a lot of different, a lot of different ways you can look at that. You know, and always, always looking to improve, but get out of your comfort zone. You know, and I, up until I was 48 years old, I said, who would ever jump out of a perfectly safe airplane? Right. Well, after my wife passed away, it's like, you know what? Life is pretty short. Yeah. So guess what I did for my 50th birthday? You jumped out of a perfectly good airplane. I jumped out of a perfectly good airplane. And the chute opened. And the chute opened. Is it true you fall 32 feet per second? I, you fall fast. I know that. <laughs> Have you and done then, it again since then? I haven't done it again, but a couple of years later, I was in Costa Rica with a friend and he wanted to go bungee jumping. I said, you go right ahead. You have fun at that. Right. And after he got done, I went right behind him. He didn't die. So he figured, ah, I'll give yeah, it a shot. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny. That's one of my core principles. You know, I tell people drive a different way home, eat left-handed, let your wife choose the movie. Yeah. Yeah. People, and I'll do this once in a while. You know, you always hear people say, yeah, try putting your pants on with the left leg first. Yeah. Every once in a while I'll do that just, to, just to see if I don't fall over or not. Right. Because if you can do it in little things, when the big yeah. changes come, you'll be ready. Yep. Yeah. What's number nine? 
focus on your family and give back to the community. Mm. Well, you've certainly done that. You're a wonderful dad. Thank you. You know, growing up in a small community, you find out and, you know, through the stuff I've been through in my life, you find out what community is really all about. Right. Family is all about. Um, and Mount Vernon is this bucolic little town an hour something north of Seattle. Mm-hmm. How many people live in Mount Vernon? Mount Vernon itself has about 30,000 people. The whole Skagit Valley, which is Mount Vernon, Burlington, Cedar Woolley, all has about 150,000. Very tight-knit community. That includes Burlington, Bellingham, that Not whole Bellingham. valley? Not, Not Bellingham. Bellingham, okay. No. Yeah, yeah. Burlington, Cedar Woolley, yeah. Right. Yeah, so the whole valley has about 150,000. And, you know, they through all the heartache and, and tragedy and everything I've been through, the community was always there. And so, you, uh, you were, your company was actively involved in the community. Give us an example of what some of those things were. Well, we started a charity club. We'll call it the CPI Charity Club. And we take 1% of all revenue that comes into the company and set aside in a separate account. And that's our charity account. Nice. Every month, whoever is the, and we call it the Golden Wrench Award winner, which is the employee, whoever's the employee of the month gets half of that money to donate to a local charity of their choice in their name. I love the term Golden Wrench as the employee of the month. That's awesome. What a great symbol. Yep. And then the other half of the money stays in that account. So when people are like, I was talking to Brad yesterday, he's the one that owns the company and bought me out. And he was my partner for quite a few years. He just donated $500 yesterday to Mills on Wheels. Nice. You know, so he had money sitting in the account and he called me and he said, Hey, you know, there's, there's a lot going on right now with the uncertainty of the, of the economy and everything. He goes, you think I should donate some money right now? So what do you got in your charity account? He told me, I said, yeah, why not? Yeah, do it, especially for the seniors. Yeah. So, you know, giving back to the community, you know, the community supports small businesses and support people that are in the small businesses. So make sure you're giving back and you're involved in the community. Years ago, a mentor of mine said, I can, I can get a gift and be happy, but I can give someone a gift and be just as happy. And then I realized there was no limit on how happy I could be. It was just based on how much I was willing to give. Yeah. And that's what I'm hearing you say. It always feels better to give than it does to receive. Man. What's number 10? Well, another one to that, you know, I talked a lot about community there, but also part of that was focus on family. Right. You know, growing up, you know, or as my family was growing when my wife was still alive, you know, we did a lot as a family unit. We would have dinner together four to five nights a week and talk about life, talk about what our goals were, what our dreams were, what we wanted to accomplish as a family. And everything that we talked about came to fruition. And I have great, beautiful, smart, intelligent, giving, loving children because of it. That's because you married up. I'm definitely married up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, isn't that, isn't that awesome? I mean, I told my kids, your future's so bright, it burns my eyes. Yep. You're going to go so much farther than I ever did in school, sports and business. And they have. Yeah. And isn't that our job? That's our job. Once we've done that, we've done a pretty good job. Yes. Yeah. That's your legacy. 
Yeah. What's number last 10? One, the last one is blow through the naysayers. The haters? The naysayers. And I say haters. The haters, yeah. yeah. Give us an example of what that means. Well, there's always people that are telling you you can't do something. Right. You couldn't do something. And, you know, don't listen to them. Yeah. Tell you, you can't, you know, and, and I, I got to give a big, big shout out to my mom. My, my mom was, you know, I'm the youngest of three boys. Um, you've seen my story and I'm the mellow one of the three of us. Oh boy. Yeah. So you know what she had to put up with? My oh, mom, man. my mom was five foot two and she didn't put up with any garbage. She was tough. She was very tough, but she always taught all three of us. Can't never did anything. Yeah. Can't was never allowed to be used in our house. Yeah, that's great. So when somebody tells you you can't do something, tell them, watch me. Yeah. And do it. That's driven me. Just tell me I can't do something and watch what happens. Yeah. You know, let me ask you this. I'm the youngest of three. What is it about the youngest? <laughs> we just get pushed aside. <laughs> we got a chip on our shoulder, don't we? Yeah. Of course, you know, ask my brothers, they'll tell you I was the golden child. Oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I finally said, you know, when they were saying, you have so many more things than we had when we were growing up. I said, hey, I didn't <laughs> ask to be born last. Yeah. Just luck of the draw. Luck of the draw. Yeah. What are you going to do? So I tell them all the time I'm still the golden child. Oh, that's funny. And it's humility is your greatest quality. Yeah, that's what I like, <laughs> yeah. admire about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this. What You've obviously been successful. You built an amazing business. You sold it. Now you're on the road speaking. So I have two more questions before we run out of time. Mm -hmm. Number one, uh, what advice would you offer contractors if they, if they want to be successful, A, and then B, how do we get a hold of you, obviously, to to buy your books or speak. So why don't we address the first question? What advice? The biggest piece of advice I can, I can give is do anything and everything you can for your employees to make them better people, to make them better husbands, wives, um, fathers, do everything you can to help them improve personally. Right. You know, even, even financially, you know, you know that I'm very big when it comes to coaching people financially. I did that with my employees and that's something you don't hear a lot about. People are afraid to talk about financial stuff with employees, personal right. financial stuff. I took a different approach. I wanted to, I wanted to see my employees make as much money as they can and not only make it, but save it so they could have a good future for their families as well. And you made that part of what you taught in addition to plumbing skills. In addition to it, plumbing skills, you know, I, I figured our company was more of a, a training and marketing organization that did plumbing. That's great. What a great way to see your business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you know, the better people are, the, the, the more you help other people, the better they are, the better you're going to be. Now, you're speaking on a regular basis now up until a few weeks ago, obviously. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> we're all grounded now for a while. For but, a while. Um, for a while. But uh, tell us a little bit about what you offer 
and how do we get a hold of you to speak, coach, and mentor? So speaking, I got a couple different keynotes that I do. One is called Build and Protect Your Assets. So through everything I've been through, um, you know, I was very fortunate that I protected every, you know, building up my net worth and everything, and I protected it very well. Um, when, when the wife passed away, we had everything in play as far as wills and living wills and all that. So there was no discrepancy. Then when I turned around and sold the business, it was very quick transaction. We decided um, November, about November 24th, we went into negotiations. And by December 22nd, the contract was signed and sealed. And you sold it to two partners, Brad and Oli. Yeah, I sold it to my my partner, my existing partners that I had. Yeah, because we had everything in place, it it was e an easy, quick transition to do. And now how how do we how do we get a hold of you, and how do we get your book? So if you go kellyshoals.com, that's K E L L Y. S-C-H-O-L-S dot com. Okay. So if you go on there and then you can get through there, there's a link to get my book or my book is also on Amazon and it's never buy the book. That's the name of the book. Never buy the book. Never buy the book. Doesn't mean I don't want people to buy it. No, you want them to. It just means I didn't do things by the book. Right. It's a double entendre. Yeah. And your phone number is 360-770-9810? Yes, sir. Okay, that's 360-770-9810. Well, Kelly, thank you so much. Uh, parting shot, last words. What would you offer up? You know, with what, what's going on right now in the world and the economy and everything, don't panic. Use this time to prepare instead of panic and know that everything's gonna be okay. This too shall pass. This shall pass, we will get through this. Oh man, I, you know, we could talk for another hour and yes, we we'll could. just probably have to figure out a way to get you back on here, but you know, thank you so much for making the time out of your busy schedule, Kelly. And I know, I just know, having read the book and knowing you, I think the book's gonna do really, really well. Thank you. And I, I think, and I'm going to make a prediction right now. One day I'm going to get a phone call from you five or six years from now. And you're going to tell me, Mark, I just got, I just signed the deal for a Hollywood movie <laughs> about the book in my life. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. All right. All right. Well, who, who do you want to play you? You, I'm talking about you. Well, I know, but you'll be in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. That's a tough question. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, Denzel, Tom Hanks. I don't know. He'd have to be taller. They they got to be taller. Yeah. Yeah. Who who would play you? Oh, I don't know. I know that's a tough probably, one. Probably Leonardo DiCaprio. There you go. Or yeah. Brad Pitt, one of the two. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for having me on, Mark. I truly appreciate it. Oh, Kelly. Thank you. You're a joy to talk to as always. Let's talk again soon. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Fujitsu General America. And like this podcast, they're focused on education and development. From the day they sold their first comfort system in North America, they've been unwavering in their focus on training. It doesn't matter if it's application, installation, or service. A 
better trained technician brings better value to the homeowner. So when you're looking for infinite comfort, think Fujitsu. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day unless you have other plans.